Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Well, have a very happy Monday. I assume you're a Nuggets fan. It is a happy Monday. And, and Sandy, I, I will just start with this, and I, then I'll leave you to it. I never say a game, a series is done after game one. But I will say this. I have seen many series in which game one looked like what we saw last night with the Nuggets and the Timberwolves. And they turned out not to be particularly competitive series. The Timberwolves look like they're, one, not on the Nuggets level. Two, I'm not even sure how much it looks like they care anymore. There's so much infighting and and me-first tactics. that The Nuggets here could play a game in which they weren't particularly crisp and blew the doors off the Timberwolves. This feels like it could be a very quick series. I said all of last week, Minnesota was the team you wanted to play. Uh, out of all the teams they, they that. possibly could play, Minnesota was the team they wanted to play. Um, I did not waver even on Friday night watching Minnesota beat Oklahoma City by 25 at home because Oklahoma City ran out of gas. Oklahoma City has everything except a big. So they're at the opposite end of the philosophical scale as opposed to Minnesota, which is playing 1950s basketball with two lugs uh, the two most overrated bigs in the entire sport, in Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Last night was not unexpected. Um, I didn't think and don't think the Nuggets have to play particularly well to dispatch Minnesota in this series in either four or five games. I, I don't think it requires even the kind of performance they delivered last night, which was sublime defensively. There's there's no question of that. And on that point, uh, I will be unmoved and uh, uncompromising. Uh, the Nuggets don't need to play Nikola Jokic more than 28 to 30 minutes a game in this series. He played 28 last night. They don't play Jamal Murray. Don't certainly need to play him even as many as the 33 minutes he played last night. They don't need to play him more than 30 minutes a game. They don't need to play Porter more than 30 minutes a game. They can win with their bench against this team. If they started any one starter, pick out any one starter with the four guys who are coming off the bench, they would also win this series in four or five games. They they could play Bruce Brown, certainly, Christian Brown. I would say even Jeff Green. And maybe Anaji, DeAndre Jordan, Peyton Watson, for goodness sake, in their starting five and win this series. Minnesota is dysfunctional. Minnesota is immature. Minnesota is a hideously dumb basketball team. We said last week that they major in stupid. And we saw that on vivid display once again last night. Maybe there was a reason Rudy Gilbert tried to punch out Anderson. <laughs> Maybe, and that would have been my response that I've been Christian Brown last night, not to fire back, but to say to uh, Anderson after their scuffle in the third quarter, maybe Gilbert was right to try to punch you out. 
Um, they're they're a joke, and they're managed by the most overrated general manager in major professional sports Ooh. today, okay. Tim Connolly, who has a reputation more undeserved than any executive I know of in sports. Bad executives have a reputation, generally speaking, as bad executives. Tim Connolly has always been a bad executive. He's never won anything anywhere he's been. He's never been associated with winning anywhere he's been. And by winning, I mean winning significant games. Right. In other words, winning more games. Yeah, more than the, division the, the titles. The glorious whatever, right. nugget playoff run of 2020 in the bubble involved 10 losses in 19 games. People forget that. They were down 3-1 in every series they played. And only in the bubble could they have beaten Utah and the Clippers down three games to one. That was the team that Tim Connolly built. The team that Calvin Booth has rebuilt, sometimes over the objections, severe objections of head coach Michael Malone, mm-hmm. is sure. the team that has a chance, and you can't tell by the game last night. I'm sorry, you just can't. Minnesota's the worst team in the playoffs, hands down. There's, there's not even a close second. They're the one team out of the 16 that does not belong in the playoffs. They don't. I, I, Miami, I, I Miami belongs. Miami the clearly belongs. They, they beat Milwaukee last night. Now, I know Giannis was out, but Milwaukee's 11-8 and eight this year without Giannis. And Hero broke his hand at halftime. He's done for the year. He, he's their second or third best player. Sure. Right? Yeah, of course. Behind, certainly, Butler, their best player. Not Abayu, who can be their second best player, depending on the night. But Hero is either their second or third best player. They won easily without Hero in the second half. Had no trouble with Milwaukee whatsoever, and Milwaukee had everybody going except Giannis. So, you know, the Nuggets got a great draw, and you know, when you watch Phoenix and the Clippers, and even the Lakers and Memphis, Golden State and Sacramento, whoever wins those series, and I'm not sure it will necessarily be the game one winner in all three of those instances. Uh, we'll be feeling it. The Nuggets can traipse through this series without expending any effort whatsoever on offense, only on defense. Their defense will create all the offense they need to blow out Minnesota in this series, and I will predict here today, Minnesota did not shoot 40% last night. Minnesota will not shoot 40% cumulatively in this series. They will not. They will not make four out of every ten shots even one time in this series, it it oh, was well, a no. I'd say they might, but one but time is, but is two it times, in the series? But they cumulatively, won't. they will shoot under forty percent. I could I could see that. Obviously, not a very and you kind of hit on it that it's they they didn't look like they belonged. They didn't look like they belonged in the playoffs with the rest of the teams that that were there this weekend. Atlanta and, belongs in the playoffs more than Minnesota does. Yeah, and Minnesota just does, they looks discom, they look discombobulated. They don't look good. They don't look like they're expending much effort on defense. Their offense, everyone just sort of looks like they're getting their shots. It's uh, it looks quite frankly right now like a, like a selfish team. When you talk about you like think Kyle Anderson getting his moment with Christian Brown again, brilliant job by Christian Brown to the the proverbial give the guy enough rope to hang himself. But just just you know stand basically there and let just it laughed at him. Yeah, I mean, just they, laughed at him and. You're like, sure, man. Uh, you throw, know, throw your elbow. Anderson's probably not a bad guy. I say probably because he did provoke Gobert. Uh, he and did. we know Gobert's a bad guy. 
We know he's Gobert's a bad guy. Gobert's a quitter. He's a bad guy. Uh, He's a bad person. Just, you know, there's there's nothing remotely redeemable. He's a reprehensible reprobate. But there was probably a provocation coming from Anderson, who of all people was basically calling Gobert soft. Mm -hmm. Of all people to be saying that, Anderson's the softest player in the league. The little push shot of his. He plays no defense whatsoever. Uh, the Nugget bench was great last night. Uh, commendations to Brown and Brown yeah. in particular. Bruce Brown was phenomenal. Bruce Brown, night. phenomenal. And uh, plus 11 in 25 minutes. And Christian Brown, a plus 12 in 19 minutes. Yep. Without having to do much on the offensive side at all, just uh, the, the, the one shot, hits the one shot, gets a free one of his two free throws. But playing uh, the normal, effective, borderline, borderline, I'm not going to say it just yet. It's not like he faced uh, one of the league's very, very best. But uh, borderline lockdown defense at times, and we've seen that in the last couple of weeks from, from Christian Brown. And so I think that's that's another weapon to be deployed. I think you're exactly right. I don't know if they're going to win by 29 every night, but it seems like nobody on the Nuggets probably needs to go much past 30 the, minutes the, on the floor. The only game that I would be a little worried about is the next one because especially given the way they won last night, there's got to be some kind of sense that this team can't beat us four times. And if Minnesota has any gumption, and I don't know that Minnesota has much in the way of gumption, this would be the game to show whatever gumption exists within that locker room, whatever class exists within that locker room, and my analysis would be they have one class act, and his name is Mike Conley. Other than that, I don't think any of their players care a whit about winning and care only about their personal numbers. You talk about stat padding. Carl Anthony Towns was in the game to pad his stats late last night. And five I think for the, the 15 reason, from the floor, one for seven from three. Well, he padded his stat. He was wor- but I mean, much worse than that. He was embarrassingly bad before, during garbage time. He had three or four shots you're in that a row. Big a guy and you got get, a double double. You get so two people free will throws? look at that box score. People look at that box score and say, "Well, he wasn't that bad. He 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 was a liability. Uh, Gobert was a liability. Uh, Alexander Walker's not a very good player, but ordinarily he'd be coming yeah. off the bench and not playing very much." Uh, Edwards is a talent, but he's immature. And uh, Connolly's the only guy. Anderson, Prince, Noel, they have no bench. They have no bench. Uh, their best wing player defensively broke his hand punching a wall right. uh, a little more than a week ago. And Naz Reed, who is by far their best center, he's the third-string center. That That's how Connolly operates. Connolly was going to trade Nas Reed until Carl Anthony Towns failed to come back from what seemed like a relatively minor injury. He was out two months, two and a half months with a calf muscle injury. And so Connolly couldn't trade him. Otherwise, he would have traded the best center on his basketball team. Gobert is the third string center, or should be, on any basketball Gobert team. Gobert was that, minus. That... He was, minus 28 and 26 minutes in a playoff game. How do you game. do that? How do you do that? How are you minus 28 and 26 Just by minutes? being on the floor, you're bleeding a point off of your team every 60 seconds? But they, play, they played Towns 30 minutes 
just so his stats wouldn't look so embarrassing. And uh, that does not speak well to the former Nugget assistant, uh, Chris Finch, either. Bad on the entire organization, players, front office, uh, coaching staff. Uh, This is what hurts the NBA a little bit. And the reason why Charles Barkley comes on the air yesterday and says, basically, I don't want to watch the Minnesota Timberwolves at midnight and on into tomorrow morning. And yeah. it's a joke that this game is scheduled at 1030 Eastern time for, from a fan perspective, but two, because it was, it was the worst turn it off game. At halftime, you could do and that. You, you could, well, sure. And I'm sure a lot of people did. And unfortunately, even those that did, we didn't learn. Did we learn anything more after halftime about the nuggets? No, we learned, we learned, what we already knew about Minnesota. I don't think we learn much uh, about the Nuggets. And I'm not saying we learn definitively about any of the other teams in the West, except each of the other three games is scintillating Mm -hmm. in its own way. Yeah. In its own way. The Lakers ended up winning by 16, but it was a much closer game than that. Morant got hurt down the stretch and the Lakers blew him out in the final five minutes of the game. The Golden State-Sacramento game, I thought was the best game of the weekend. Yeah, going right down to that final minute, a couple misses late. And uh, Phoenix and uh, the Clippers. Clippers. What a duel between Leonard and Durant, who were both sensational. But Leonard was a little bit better down the stretch. And you know what? I never thought I'd mouth these words. Russell Westbrook outplayed and came close to embarrassing Devin Booker uh, about whom something is wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with him because Christian Brown embarrassed him in a late season, regular season game. And in spite of uh, Greg Anthony, who must have seen about two NBA games this year, (laughs) extolling uh, the virtues of, um, well, no, Anthony did the Nugget game. It was actually my friend Stan Van Gundy who did a show with me for, for a year and I think is a very good analyst, but somehow got it in his mind that Devin Booker was the best player on the floor uh, in the in the game last night, and basically ignored Leonard and Durant, and, Chris and Paul also ignored uh, well, Chris Paul was terrible. I, I mean, I, Chris uh, Paul was terrible. Uh, Paul and Booker are not the best guard tandem in the league anymore. They did. They, there are there aren't. are immense defensive challenges with that pair. And I, I agree. I think Booker has, he was dealing with some injuries. I think they're still hampering him. Five turnovers in that last Yeah, game. I thought he cost him the game. I, I thought Westbrook badly outplayed him down the stretch, one-on-one. Uh, Westbrook Which is amazing. Was, Westbrook went was three the more, for 19. He, he was also the more unselfish player because almost all of those 19 shots came earlier in the game. He just defended and rebounded at the end, and that turned out to be the difference, along with Kawhi Leonard and, uh, Barkley again said, "You know what? People keep whining about how Jokic is underrated and doesn't get his due, or Embiid hasn't won an MVP." He says, "For my money, the best player of the NBA right now, and he has been for the past month, is Kawhi Leonard." That's hard to argue with any of that. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is, Kawhi Leonard. is brilliant, and you're talking about a guy that does whatever the game requires. Uh, just a genius basketball mind yeah the, the the clippers are a real threat to the you suns that was that was not a fluke last night clippers might be better for now for now right now. i'm not saying long term but for now without paul george they might be better without paul george 
because it, it you're not you're it, not it, you're it running gives everything Leonard, through Leonard. Yeah, everything runs through Leonard now, not through Paul George. And you you also give other players a chance to breathe. And I'll tell you what, some former Nuggets were pretty good in that game. Torrey Craig, sensational. Mm-hmm. And Plumley had 11 boards uh, off the bench. Plumley was great. And Bones Highland was good. He was a plus player last night. A very good player for the LA Underrated bench, bench for the Clippers. And we did talk about the bench being an issue for the Suns. I mean, uh, Norman Powell's a good player, had a nice game. Norman Powell's a very good player. Yeah. Norman Powell played on Toronto's championship right. team four years yeah, ago. Yeah, with Kawhi. Right. Nothing wrong with Norman Powell. And Norman Powell and Kawhi Leonard, pretty good tan. Yeah, they're good. So, so there, there is and talent. You know who there. else is good? Zubats. Yeah. He's a much better player than the overrated DeAndre Ayton. Uh, much better player. Ayton's mechanical. Uh, Zubats is just aggressive. Ayton's passive and mechanical. Zubats is. Zubats doesn't play scared. He knows. He knows what he is and how he plays. And I always respect that. He kind of knows at his what he line is. Last yeah, night. he's he's not he's not an extraordinary athlete for his size at that level. But he knows what to use with he what he has, which is strength and aggression. He's not afraid of mixing it up. He's not afraid of drawing a foul here and there. And Plumlee's the perfect compliment. Yes. Yes, Plumlee is too. And Plumlee, we've seen it here in Denver. Plumlee is Plumlee much is more the best of a... backup center the Nuggets have had in the last six, seven and years. And a good engine in the locker and in room and on the sideline. That uh, Tim Connolly, the organization Tim Connolly, yeah, decided that uh, Mason Plumlee really wasn't much of a player. They could actually really use Mason Plumlee right now, but... Uh, nevertheless, the Nuggets get it done and get it done rather easily. Want to know your thoughts? The call and text line is 303-831-1340. The Nuggets win 109-80. to They'll be in action again on Wednesday here in Denver, which has an opportunity to see if, if Minnesota has any gumption, as Sandy put it, or uh, if they're just about to roll over and uh, let the Nuggets waltz into the second round. But looking at the game as it stands, when you're looking at the what the Nuggets did well, we talked a little bit about that defense. We're going to dig into that a little bit more. We'll do that next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Minnesota Timberwolves shot 37% from the field, 30.6% from three, 56.3 from the free throw line. So that's just them being embarrassing because the Nuggets don't have anything to do with that. But a horrible shooting night for the Timberwolves. A game in which... The, the Nuggets performed so well that in plus minus is only one Nugget was negative, and that's hardly anything to hold against him. Vlatko Chanchar in the, well, in the final he played two, two minutes. minutes was minus one. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the, the Nuggets starters, the five Nuggets starters, plus 97, all of them in the plus. Gordon and Jokic in the rear of the five with a plus 15. Caldwell Pope with plus 21. Porter Jr. with 22. Murray with 24 good performances and just abysmal performances. The equivalent on the other side, as you can imagine, again, that much of a blowout for Minnesota, only Wendell Moore Jr. with his uh, one minute, 
at a yeah. plus one or two. I guess yeah, you rounded up to two. Two minutes, so plus one there. Uh, this is a game in which the Nuggets, who are not renowned for their defensive prowess, though it should be noted, their opposing three-point percentage was atop the league's leaderboard and near the top for the majority of the year. And they the used year. to be the worst team at defending the three, and, and now they're among the best. I among know the, the stats best. say they're number one. I, I would say among uh, the best. But um, it looked but like it yesterday. Cer- certainly, you know, that they got town shooting threes early in the game. They had, uh, Minnesota couldn't make anything. They they made a bunch late to end up shooting 30.5% from the three-point line, and that's only because they made five of their last six or six out of their last seven and finished 11 for 36. They weren't shooting that kind of percentage through most of the game. Uh, they also couldn't make a foul shot, oh. uh, which is helpful. And they yeah. didn't get to the line very much anyway. No, they weren't. But, uh, you know, very non-aggressive. Here are the numbers sports fans to look for, especially in the playoffs. Field goal attempts. That's it. Uh, the team with more field goal attempts will win nine times out of ten. And that was the story of the weekend in the NBA playoffs. Not that the winning teams shot a particularly high percentage. In fact, in half the games, the winners were at 45.5% or worse. Which is almost exactly what the That's Nuggets what the Nuggets were at. shot 40, 45.6. 45.5%. Yeah. Uh, the average field goal attempt total, though, was almost 90 and a half shots. Where the Nuggets had a night at 90. Right. Yeah. And the average number of field goals made, 43.3. The collective shooting percentage below 48%. So, so it wasn't that, it's that these teams were shooting 50% or more from the field. In fact, they were not. Uh, uh, the Knicks won shooting 42%. Uh, Sacramento won and scored 126 points. They shot less than 45% from the field. And, you know, yesterday, Miami hiked up the collective shooting percentage by shooting 59.5% and making just about every three they looked at, and they were among the worst, if not the worst, three-point shooting team in the league. And Harrow broke his hand, and they still shot lights out from three-point range. But they shot 59.5%. Let's see. I think in the first game yesterday, the shooting percentage was 53. But in the last two, and that's the Clippers and the Nuggets, shot 44% and 45.5% respectively. They didn't win the game because they were red hot from the field. Right. And that's more impressive to me because – Anybody who shoots 60% right. Anybody like the Heat just have a did, yeah. they, they're, they're going to win. And I don't think the Heat will win that series. Now, I, you know, if Giannis doesn't Heavily play again, it'll be Giannis a longer does, right. series. Yeah. But I, I don't think even without Giannis that Milwaukee losing, losing will Hero. lose that series. Hero, Hero's bad. a big loss. Huge Hero's loss. a big loss. Not one they can overcome, yeah. actually. Yeah. But it, they overcame it yesterday because they concealed the defensive weaknesses of Duncan Robinson when he and they played and shot the he, lights out and shot lights <laughs> out from three point range, which they usually don't do. And of course, Jimmy Butler is a great player, whatever you think of his manner or temperament or his tendency to demand trades from teams. He's I not, know, I don't want to be on not, the other he, side. I tell you what, he's not Kyrie Irving because he's a competitor. Yeah, it, when it comes he to winning time, I like I like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Uh, 
Jimmy Butler goes for the jugular. In, in Jimmy Butler can games. play your for your team and for my team anytime, yeah, any yeah, day I, of the yeah. week. I'll take him we'll every, take every him. single time for one of those. Absolutely, he is a, he is an assassin when he gets out there, and was terrific in that game as well. And who knows, you know, makes things interesting. But again, the funny thing is, you look at the defense for the Nuggets, and and it really was good. It, it's it's in a part because Minnesota was so bad and so discombobulated. But you could tell. It's but not the even, Nuggets were part of yeah, making them play it's bad. It's not a statistical thing where you can look at it and say this is proof positive, though the numbers look great for them defensively. It's more the fact that Minnesota early on looked a little bit perplexed by the Nuggets' rotations, looked like they, they the Nuggets took advantage of the passive nature of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, who combined, despite the fact these are two seven-footers, combined for six free-throw attempts. Six. They didn't want any part of the physicality. They didn't want to get into the paint. They didn't want to mix it up. The only guy with any more than a than that you look, Conley played for 25 minutes. Different situation for him. Didn't take a free throw. Towns had two attempts. Uh, Alexander Walker had two attempts. Gobert had four. Uh, Edwards, by far the best player they have. Although right. Right, right now his shot has sort of left him. Yeah, and um, I think he's probably playing with a bad shoulder. Yeah, but he at least gets to the line That's six times. Their entire bench right. went to the line. Twice. Right. I mean, Minnesota was so happy to just settle for jumpers. Right. That that plays right in the Nuggets' hand. Because unless unless the Timberwolves are absolutely going to turn into the heat there, start nailing everything, uh, they they can't win. The only if you're going to take on a Denver Nuggets team with Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon, and you know what? Hand it to him again. Michael Porter Jr., 18 points, 11 boards in only 31 minutes. Efficient, though. Efficient, right? which is what he's generally been, but also going, he's he's taken but, but that pretty, step. Pretty decent Where the game, he's no longer mm-hmm. waiting for the game to come to him. He's he's applying himself to the moment. Well, and yeah, I, I might it's quibble a work, with that it's a little a bit because I thought it was more the other way around, it's that a, he would take bad shots and he would inject himself into the game, and I think now he is letting the game come to yeah, him a little I, I more I guess it's a way, yeah, just to we're, we're splitting uh, hairs in the way we would call it. But, I mean, but, I... But no, I mean, I mean, uh, he had 18 points and 11 rebounds in 31 minutes last night. He was plus 22. He had two assists. Shot he almost had a steal. He did not turn the ball over. Not once. Not once. And he handled and the only ball one foul. a fair amount. But see, he didn't get it and hold it mm-hmm. or try to force things the way Towns did. Towns was a, a, a walking, talking turnover waiting to happen last night. Every time he touched the ball. You you could bet and win most of the time that he would turn it over or force a shot. One of one of the two. Yeah, five for fifteen to four turnovers. To me, a four shot as good as a turnover is the equivalent of a turnover because it's a live ball kind of situation that can trigger the fast break. And the Nuggets ran last night, and the common thread for all four winning teams: Philadelphia, Boston, Cleveland. I'm sorry, New York and Sacramento on Saturday. Those four and the four who won yesterday, Lakers, Miami, Clippers, Nuggets, they all push the pace. They all push the pace. And they just about in every case took more shots. Minnesota only took 81 shots. Now, you know, they could have taken 91, it wouldn't have mattered. Could have taken 101, it wouldn't have mattered. But they took 81 and made 30. 30. And they were 9 of 16 at, at the line. And Doug Moe used to always say, watch the 
field goal attempts, not the shooting percentage. Jerry West used to come up to Doug Moe periodically and say, how on earth do you guys win shooting 43% as a team? And Doug Moe says, because we take 100 shots a game. Uh, So 43 field goals is pretty good for a game in 48 minutes. You you guys and the Lakers, who were not a running team, they were a fast-break team, but not a running team, Lakers take 85 or 90 shots, and they turn the ball over against the Nuggets, especially here, Mm -hmm. because the Nuggets would get them into a pace they didn't want. The Lakers didn't want to run. Lakers wanted a fast break. Lakers really didn't want to run. They didn't want uh, want to run after you made a basket. They wanted to walk it up. Magic would walk it up. Uh, Now, the Lakers ran and fast-breaked Boston out of the playoffs, save for 1984, every time they played. And they did that to most of the Western teams, too. They, they just overwhelmed them. But that, that was an example of a team that could sort of play any way you wanted to play sure. once they fully developed. Right. They could play any way you wanted to play. But you, know, you, you have still, in the playoffs, I'm not talking about Hellmell basketball, where it's not it, Paul Westhead nonsense. No racehorse basketball. I'm talking about pushing the pace when you have the chance. And every commentator, to to a man, a woman, said over the weekend, pace, pace, pace. Knicks are at the best when they play with pace. Philadelphia plays with pace and gets away with Embiid having kind of certainly by Embiid standards a very ordinary game. Yeah. They went by 20 points. Against a pretty yeah. decent Brooklyn team, I think that's Boston fair. plays uh, with pace and did to the point where they got up by thirty, and then they took the rest of the day off and only ended up winning by thirteen. But it was a much more one-sided game than that. The Sacramento Golden State game, both teams played with pace. It was one twenty-six, one twenty-three in the best game of the weekend. Terrific game, and I have no idea who's going to win that series. Although I, Sacramento played like it did during the season. And because they played with pace, they got away with Sabonis having a terrible game. Yes, and and that's uh, that's a big part of that that efficiency, a wild efficiency by by the Kings this this year. A lot of it's on the dribble handoffs. As Sabonis is brilliant on number one in the league that. with that. But yeah, you you can get away. What what it brings you is it brings you assuming and you have to just think about it. Don't worry about getting the advanced metrics of it, but. And you're talking about pace, and and it, and in these first round of the playoffs, only one game, but the when you when you're talking about this playoffs, you know, for for the Nuggets, this was a a, a heck of a game, and nobody else held an opponent to 80 points. No, I was by far the, the best, right? and, and it's it's the way you're thinking about it. Not only does pace is it as simple as what you were talking about with okay, you shot 45 percent, but if you had 100 shots, okay. It's your pace will also create easier shots, offensive efficiency, true shooting, whatever advanced metric you want to use. They tend to come along with pace. If you are moving faster than the other opponent with purpose, not pell-mell like you said, but with purpose because you know what you want to accomplish. And by the way, the Nuggets have a maestro in which the like the likes really the league has never seen who understands to play with purpose. You will find yourself not only with more shots, but easier shots. So your percentages goes up. It's why the Nuggets are a ridiculously efficient offensive team. But you are right, Sandy, and you've harped on this for a while, that 
the Nuggets tend to play at a slower pace than they could play. And when they get out and run, they are lethal. Their, their offensive efficiency goes through the roof. I don't want to hear again even, that uh, Jokic can't run. Yeah, even He's in, in the middle games, of those fast breaks. He's orchestrating those oh, fast breaks. On the fly, in ways that in making those off-angle passes that, they're, that are essentially impossible to defend. They, they did a deal at halftime with Kenny Smith on their big board that illustrated how you play with purpose, as you said, and create offense. For everybody on the floor, not just yourself, but for everybody on the floor. And how when Jokic made a move, it was with the idea that by making this move in the fashion that he did, there would be a player open he's, on the wing. Right. He's forcing And then the they showed Towns on the other end going, as I say, pell-mell into the teeth of the defense, forcing up a shot or turning the ball over. And say, he's trying to create offense for himself by forcing the action, creating action to score can happen in different ways. Minnesota only knows how to create action by an individual trying to go one on two, one on three, one right. on four. Yeah, that, that's their they're, idea. They're, of they're still offense. stuck in an ISO ball offense. They're and stuck in an offense out of the seventies, sixties, and fifties with two big lugs who can't move. Towns is. 15, 20 pounds. And this is the other reason, if you're the Nuggets against this match in particular, you run with pace. If Carl Anthony Towns is out there shooting threes, one, his seven foot frame is not grabbing rebounds. That helps. Uh, two, he's not running and stopping your fast break. He's not catching up and, and you breaking don't up think? your fast. You're just gonna, <laughs> he can catch up. You're going to blow uh, right by him. So he, the second he can't sprint from one end of the floor to the other. The I never saw him takes do that three, once. He's removed himself from the remainder of the play, from, from the remainder of his play yep. and the next play for, yep. the, for the Nuggets. That's right. So you need to get out there and, and run, especially if the Nuggets have done what they did defensively, and they did a brilliant job of making Minnesota settle. Minnesota seemed happy to just pop from afar, and if you're the Nuggets, let them do it. We, we talked about how at some point when the Nuggets get far enough in the playoffs, there will be a team that if Aaron Gordon camps out in the corner, they're going to leave him. They're just going to leave him and dare him to shoot it. If you're the Nuggets, you can do that with Carl Anthony Towns. Dare him to shoot it. Tempt him to stay out there at the three-point line where he's not going to be able to and hurt you, even you, if he hits, even if he goes mother for The there is you don't have to put Jokic on Towns. You can put Christian Brown on Towns. Sure. And he'll still stand out and try to shoot step-back jump shots slightly inside or outside the three-point line. The other thing to remember is you put Jokic on Gobert, He'll have the night off on defense because they can't even run pick and roll with Gobert because Gobert can't pass. Right. One, he can't catch the ball. Two, he can't pass. Three, he can't finish. That's pretty bad for the screen setter in pick and roll. Zero assists, one turnover for Gobert. Zero. So what were you accustomed well, to they seeing? Don't, they, the only reason he only has one turnover it. is they never give him the ball in pick and ball. roll. Right, because they, they know he can't do it. So Jokic doesn't have to. It doesn't no. matter where Jokic goes Just on pick and roll next to him. because Gobert's no threat to catch the ball, pass the ball, or finish. I won't use the other expression about you know scoring the <laughs> like. What else are you supposed to do? Right, right, yeah. It, that's, that's scoring is scoring. Yep, he can't score. He can't finish. 
finish is a good expression. He can't finish, he can't catch the ball on pick and roll, and he can't pass. He, he really doesn't have a very refined offensive game. And for a long time in his career, <laughs> it was yeah. fine just to block shots and get rebounds and earn your defensive and player of the, the you year. But then when, people realized we're no longer Donovan afraid of Mitchell, him. Mitchell was right. Bill yeah. Burr's a lazy player, a bad yeah. guy, a Mitchell, bad Mitchell teammate. was right. Of course, the and, Nuggets gave so. Utah both of them. Tim Connolly did that, as a matter of fact. But yeah, but those are that, those are prearranged deals. They though. are. Those are all prearranged. Why well, you shouldn't do those? The by the way, didn't do those. Don't well, do those. yeah, Calvin but, Booth, but don't do those. But you know, someone I, lands I, in your lap, say like, "Yeah, sorry, I, not sorry." Well, yeah, and then <laughs> and then when when you try to do that, which all teams do in the future, somebody's going to mess with you. That yeah. way. that I that I don't criticize that. It, the trades weren't very good, and that's on Connolly. But the whole idea of prearranging deals in the NBA draft, that happens all the time. Ugh, hate him. Hate him, of course, doesn't seem to have the, the Nuggets when it comes to uh, Rudy Gobert, though. Want to know what you think? 303-831-1340. I wouldn't want either one of them. <laughs> well, but they don't, so problem solved. Uh, 303-831-1340 is the number. We'll turn our attention briefly uh, to the uh, Avalanche, who will be in action tomorrow as they start their playoff run. And uh, at the top of the hour, Ryan Blackburn of My Life Sports will join us to talk more about the Nuggets next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar. On Mile High Sports. The Colorado Avalanche and the Seattle Kraken begin their first round playoff series tomorrow in Denver. Obviously, two teams that uh, come at this very differently. The Avs, the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Kraken in their second season. Uh, Give them credit for getting where they are because, quite frankly, we talked about how the Timberwolves did not look like they belong in the playoffs. The Seattle Kraken absolutely do look like they belong in the playoffs. 100-point team. Of course they belong. Yeah. So uh, they have played well down the stretch, uh, 17-13-3 after the deadline. That's uh, middling, 13th best in the NHL, but that's how you get in as as a seventh seed. And uh, they do this in their second year. And this wasn't, you know, it's worth noting, by the way, but people who maybe if you've just really gotten into hockey and you looked at the Vegas Golden Knights getting the Stanley Cup finals in their first years, the, the Knights, there are general managers and owners and stuff that are still sort of peeved about the way that went. The NHL, with its the first major league to plant its flag in Las Vegas, absolutely intended to make sure they were going to get that team off to a jump start and gave them a boost in the expansion draft of which no one has ever seen, not only in just the draft, but in the way they were able to make trades, making trades to not draft guys. These were all advantages that the Golden Knights had that the Seattle Kraken did not, a much more traditional expansion draft. But So this is impressive. Seattle became a good offensive team this year, and frankly... What let him down more than anything else last year was the goaltending. And the goaltending was a little better this year, but not a lot better this year, right? And it figures to be former AB goaltender Philip Grubauer in this series. And there's a gargantuan gulf, at least there was in the regular season, between Grubauer and Georgiev. We'll talk more about that later on. But Seattle is a legitimately deep offensive team with with a couple of scoring stars, but a fair amount of offensive depth. Uh, the goaltending remains the weakness and probably 
probably will be the reason that the Avalanche dispatch the Kraken rather routinely. Uh, Andre Burakovsky, former Av, of course, and, and one of their scoring great potentials, year. Uh, out for the series. Yep. Obviously, the injury is a problem. In fact, the other, in fact, the other player who hasn't played all year and won't play for the playoffs, another former Avalanche, the one they picked from the Avs in the expansion draft, Jonas Donskoy. Instead of JT Comfort. Who they, who they should have picked. Who they should have picked. And, were, and yeah. you know, for and all the, the, the Avs were pretty, they, they knew they the were going to lose guys. They, they, did, they, they didn't love who they were going to lose no matter what because this was a team that was in great shape. But they were happy to be able to keep Comfort. You know what? Kadri had 56 points this year. Comfort had 52. Mm-hmm. And I think Comfort is just about as good a defensive player as Kadri is. Maybe even in some respects better. I, I Kadri think, didn't kill a lot of penalties. No, no. I, I, I think Comfort kills penalties yeah, all the time. Kadri's an irritant, and I mean that in the best way in hockey. He's, he's an irritant. So is Comfort, just in a small but package. It's, uh, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that Kadri was particularly a, a gifted defender. Uh, gritty guy mm-hmm. kind of stuck his nose in. Yeah, but I, 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 I Listen, see I He see had point. a career year last year. Oh, but this yeah, Kadri year, had the best year but, of his career by mine. You know, yeah. My point was... He'll never have a no, year like last year no. again because it was not in keeping with his career trend. Right, and he's not young. He had a career year, and the Avalanche, largely due to that fact, won the Stanley Cup last year, and he showed a lot of grit in the playoffs sure. coming back from the injury and, you know, withstanding all the death threats and the nonsense during the St. Louis series, scored big goals in the playoffs. He was terrific, but you couldn't pay him what he was asking for, and what he finally settled for, I think was still a little more than the avalanche yes. would have been prudent in paying him. And, you know, for, what, half the cost? Mm-hmm. They get just as much production this year from J.T. Comfort will be a free agent. As Kadri gave to yes. uh, Calgary. And you know what? They may lose Comfort. They may lose Comfort, but at the same time, he might be one of those guys like Manson was last year when they bring back and it surprises people right. a little bit. But as a second-line center, he has been respectable. Sure. And remember, he didn't get to play with Landis Gog this year. Right. Nobody got to play with Landis Gog this year. And Nishushkin was out a good part of the year. Yeah. Right? G- give that to Comfort. So, that, see, that's and, a good and point. And missed His, action late Comfort has centered a line which has been in flux all year long. Right. All year long. And they've asked him to adjust and defensively I think he's had his best year and by far his best offensive year came this year too with 52 points from your second line center you know they got 87 from Kadri last year and that's what people came to expect maybe maybe not 87 but somewhere in that 70 to 80 point range no second line centers on most teams are 50 60 point guys and they're really good. They're really good second line centers. He's also, by the way, 50, and I know, I know had they been healthy, you know, Kale McCarr played 60 games and Chushkin played 53. And Confer is tied with both of them for 17 goals in the regular season. But that's good for fourth on the team. He He's had a he nice was year. Very good. He was plus eight on the year. Yep. So, so the defensive numbers sort of mm-hmm. pan out, as you pointed out. That's right. And, uh, and the other thing, look, uh, there's... What, what do you hear? The best ability is availability. In a season in which the Avs have been ravaged by injuries, four, four guys. guys have played 82 games, yep. and JT Comfort is one of them. And the other one, with with no disrespect, Alex Newhook, 
was not nearly finished with thirty points, and the expectation was he might take off this year. And he might be a fifty point. Yeah, and that producer. definitely did not materialize. Nope. Confer was, and so between them, when you see what they generated, more than eighty points. I, I think before the year began, maybe you were thinking more between the two of them, ninety to a hundred points, but it, it wasn't Confer's fault that that didn't happen. Now, in in fairness to Newhook. He was going He's back also and forth lot, between yeah. forward and lines. center, third line and fourth line. His lines and are inconsistent, just like Conference. Yeah, the injuries and, derailed it. So things. yes, and and it hurt the bottom six. And you know that they may be, for all we know, tomorrow night shorthanded again without Cagliano and Morgan. No indication that either will play in game one. And we're assuming Makar will play. We know Manson will. Yep. We assume Makar will play. He may not. It. It looks likely that Makar is to play, but obviously the Avs are going to play that pretty tight to the uh, to the vest there. The, the presumption is, yes, that he will play, but you don't know. You do know Manson is back, and that obviously will help because the Avs' defenses look pretty good. You had a, a, a very skilled veteran defenseman in Manson, and even if they don't get Makar back in game one, uh, I, I think that vastly improves their defense. I think Manson is a much bigger part of this defense then maybe he gets credit for because you think of the names on that blue line and you think of McCarn, you think of Taves, you think of Byram, and to a certain extent, you know, this year especially, you look at Gerard, who I think's had a quietly given another situation where he's had to move all over the place and expected right. to do, do different things. Exactly. I think he's had the best year of his career. And you kind of forget that that Manson's back there being a really reliable veteran in this league for a long time. And that's a big boost. Uh, this is just a better team. But I think when you really look at it, it is the top tier of scoring. Give give Seattle credit for the year they have and the talent they have. And it's not as if uh, Jared McCann's a bad player. It's not as if Jordan Everly's a bad player. It's not as if they can't hurt you. They will. But they're not Nathan McKinnon and they're not Miko Rantanen. And the other difference is Philip Grubauer is not Alexander Georgiev. And when you look at this series, to me, if you were to say, what's the difference, even above Ranton and McKinnon. Tell me, I look at these two goaltenders and say that's the difference, and that's why the Avs are going to come out. On you top. know who needed three full days off? Alexander Georgiev. Yeah, yes. Who looked spent to me on Friday. Two shots beat him high glove side, which he didn't even come close to reacting to. And those are things he that haven't been an issue for him all year. Exhausted. Exhausted. But you know what? You hear the expression in sports so and so would not let his team lose tonight. That was Nathan McKinnon on Friday night. Involved in every one of the points. Every one of the goals. Three goals, one assist. He would not let them right. lose. They're up 3-1. Within eight minutes of the start of the second period, it's 3-3 three three in Nashville. And with under two minutes to go, it's still 3-3. Three three. And he combines on a two-on-one with Renton. And he's got the puck. He kind of gives Renton a look to make the defender play Renton and then rips it through for his hat-trick goal, he would not let them lose. McKinnon was brilliant. And you talk about it, it's hard It's hard to, we talk about it with Jokic, it's hard to orchestrate a hockey game. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was completely in control of that hockey game. And it was, it's remarkable to see. I mean, he really is extraordinary. And let's take a look at the last 34 games for Nathan McKinnon. Oh, 29 fun. goals in 34 games. Okay. Even McDavid doesn't play at that pace. No. 28 assists 
57 points in 34 games. That's a 137-point pace. Now, that's not quite McDavid, but other than McDavid, nobody played the last 34 games at anything like the pace that McKinnon did. McKinnon finishes the year averaging over a point and a half per game. That's ludicrous. That is third in the league behind, I believe, McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's it. That's the list. And McCarr at 1.1 points per game. Now, the story there was that he only played in 60. Still 66 and 60. Second in points per game among defensemen behind Carlson, who will win the Norris Trophy sure. this year, hands down. I mean, it won't, it won't be close. Uh, he was hurt at the end of the year. McCarr was hurt at the end of the year. Carlson was great all year on a bad team. Uh, the, the the people who scout the avalanche say that systematically they forecheck the same way as they always have, same way they did last year. They play in the neutral zone the same way they played last year. And McKinnon, if anything, is playing better going into the playoffs mm-hmm. than he was oh, last year. Unquestionably, yeah. Knock on wood with a health. Right, right. But he's got Rantman, who had a career year this year, or maybe not. Maybe Rantman's just getting started. Yeah, he, he had a career goal high. Yeah. 55 maybe goals, he's just getting, sets the new abs getting started. But those two have carried the offense, and there doesn't seem to be a way to slow them down. It feels very much like the mcdavid Drysaddle situation. They're going to get theirs. There's not much you can do about it. We will find out. Well, baseball is back to the push for postseason and hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports, the best wagering app around with a direct line to experience bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, right now, if you get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. So don't let spring pass you by without winning money from Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The Nuggets put on a display in game one over at My Life Sports. The man who uh, puts those numbers in a certain order that makes a little bit more sense will be joining us to make even more, <laughs> even more out of the Nuggets' ridiculous blowout game one win. Ryan Blackburn joins us next on My Life Sports. 